Today is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, and you're listening to the morning announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the morning announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. We have a lot to catch up on this morning, starting with the cold hard fact that the 2024 Iowa caucus is in 14 days. And as usual, it's going to be another most important election of our lifetimes. In what continues to be a legitimately unprecedented situation, Maine's state Supreme Court ruled in favor of removing Donald Trump from the state's Republican primary ballot on the grounds that the 14th Amendment says that someone cannot be president if they've engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution, or have given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. That is a quote, I don't just drop, thereofs. This decision from Maine was the second of its kind, following just a few days after the Colorado State Supreme Court had ruled the same. And those are just two of at least 35 states that are currently considering challenges to Trump's candidacy as a result of January 6th and his actions leading up to it. So far, at least seven of these cases have been dismissed in Minnesota, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, as well as two in Michigan and Florida. Now, regarding Donald's possible understudies, should he face an actual consequence for his failed coup attempt, two of his fellow Republican candidates, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, pledged last week that they would pardon him if he were elected president, and should he be convicted of any of the 91 felony charges that he's currently facing in four separate jurisdictions. The two jelly spines joined Vivek Ramaswamy in making that pledge, though Donald's former pal, the still in the race in case you forgot, Chris Christie, has denounced these pledges, calling Trump a threat to democracy, saying that that would signal, quote, two systems of justice, one for all of us and one for the most powerful. I suppose it is better late to this realization than never. And while we're referencing things that Nikki Haley said last week, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that when asked at a town hall about what she thought led to the Civil War as the former governor of South Carolina, which was the first state to secede from the Union, so relevant, she said that the causes were, quote, basically how government was going to run and freedoms of what people could and couldn't do. For example, what kind of freedoms, Nikki? One word, seven letters. Next, we have the segment I've been dreading the most, the status in Gaza. Israeli military operations have not slowed, even though the death toll has exceeded 20,000, with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu remarking that he expects the war to last for months, though he claimed that Israel does not seek to displace the population in Gaza. At the same time, Netanyahu also says that he won't allow the Palestinian Authority, which administers the Palestinian-controlled parts of the West Bank, to expand its authority in Gaza as it had before Hamas overthrew them in 2007. And while the United States has continued to provide military aid, even without the standard congressional vote that's usually required, the State Department has stated that they want to see a unified Palestinian government that runs both Gaza and the West Bank as a precursor to eventual Palestinian statehood. There was also some significant investigative reporting that emerged over the past two weeks including a bombshell piece from the New York Times detailing gruesome acts of sexual violence against the hostages when they were held by Hamas, of which there are still an estimated 115 hostages there. One of the free hostages, the 21-year-old French-Israeli Mia Shem, also gave a video interview detailing her time in captivity for 55 days, echoing the forced starvation and lack of medical care 
as well as the sexual abuse, while also adding that she was being held hostage by an entire family, including a mother and children. Also of recent significance is an investigative report from the Washington Post regarding Israel's assertions that Al-Shifa Hospital is directly involved in Hamas activities and that its underground tunnel network can be accessed from inside the hospital. The analysis of satellite imagery, open source visuals, and evidence released by the IDF did not conclude that Hamas is definitively using Al-Shifa as a command and control center, specifically finding that none of the five hospital buildings appear to be connected to the tunnel network, that there was no evidence the tunnels could be accessed from inside hospital wards, and the rooms connected to the tunnel network that the IDF had discovered within the compound did not show immediate evidence of military use by Hamas. The lack of concrete evidence poses a question of whether Israel's assault on the hospital was in violation of international law, as Al-Shifa would have a protected status against military strikes if they had not been shown to be used, quote, outside of their medical function to commit acts harmful to Israel. And just before the New Year's weekend, South Africa initiated a case at the United Nations International Court of Justice, formally accusing Israel of genocide against Palestinians in Gaza and asking the court to issue an interim order for Israel to halt its operations. A hearing on the interim order will likely take place and be issued within days or weeks, but a case on the broader allegation of genocide would take years should it go forward. For our final international story, the Gaza-adjacent and Iran-agitated conflict in the Red Sea has continued. And on Sunday, the U.S. Navy destroyed three boats carrying Houthi rebels after they attempted to attack a second container ship just this past weekend. This marks 20 attacks against ships in the maritime region by the Iran-funded Houthi rebels since November, in what is a critical shipping lane between Europe and Asia, through which approximately 15% of global trade passes. The party to blame here is Iran, and on Sunday, UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron spoke with his Iranian counterpart, making clear their responsibility for stopping the attacks, which the Houthis have vowed to continue. Back in America, we have a few important state-specific headlines that speak for themselves. A California law took effect yesterday, which bans people from carrying firearms in most public places. The law prohibits people from carrying concealed firearms in 26 categories of places, including parks, playgrounds, houses of worship, banks, and zoos. In Illinois, a number of state laws have taken effect, including one banning semi-automatic weapons, another that makes libraries that indiscriminately ban books ineligible for state funding, and a law that requires employers to offer paid time off, with employees accruing at least one hour of paid leave for 40 hours worked, up to 40 hours total. And we also had a surprise from Ohio last week, after Republican Governor Mike DeWine vetoed a bill that would have prevented minors from receiving gender-affirming health care and restricting transgender girls' ability to participate in school sports. DeWine said in a press conference that he had consulted with a wide range of opinions before his veto, including doctors and parents whose patients and children had a mix of experiences, after which he concluded that decisions on gender-affirming care should be made by parents and informed by their doctors. Wow, like OG conservatism, kinda. And finally for today, we end with some positive statistics. The homicide rate in the United States plummeted in 2023 by 13% compared with 2022. The last time this larger drop in year-over-year homicides occurred was in 1996, when they fell by 9%. According to preliminary crime data from 2023 in the 10 largest cities, seven of them saw double-digit drops, including New York City, LA, Chicago, and Philadelphia. 
These are the stats despite a Gallup poll that was released last month, which found that more than three quarters of Americans believe there's more crime in the U.S. than a year ago. And more than half say the same is true about crime in their own local area. So you may think you live in a crime-infested, homelessness-infested, liberal, elitist, coastal, out-of-touch, communist, Marxist, blue city. But you could be wrong. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements presented by Betches Media. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. Betches.